0: Uh, The reading today is from Exodus 14, verses 1 to 22, which is on page 71 of your Bibles. Just pray before we read. Lord, we pray you'd open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to receive your word today. Amen. So page 71, Exodus 14, 1 to 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to go back and camp near Pei-Hahareth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the desert in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued by the israelites pursued the israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near pi hareth opposite baal zephon as pharaoh approached the israelites looked up and there were the egyptians marching after them they were terrified and cried out to the lord they said to moses Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let let, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Gareth. We are starting.
1: Normally, uh, if you're new here at Emmanuel, normally what we like to do is we like to work our way through a book of the Bible and let God set the agenda, Um, but this time of year we do a number of um, thematic talks. Uh, We've done one on thanking God for emotions, uh, giving, we had a bit of a vision Sunday last Sunday, uh, and we've now got four uh, in a series thinking about Suffering and how God is faithful through suffering. That's what we're going to come back to again and again in slightly different forms. And we're going to be bouncing around the Bible uh, to see that, I hope. Um, I pray that this would be a great comfort to us, particularly uh, where we are at the minute, um, with great grief uh, and pain. Um, Why don't we uh, pray uh, for our time now? And uh, for this word of the God, word of God to us, uh, Lord Jesus, it is great that you are a God who never makes mistakes or never slips up. Lord, I, I can't get my words out properly this morning, uh, but Lord, your word never fails, and or by your Spirit you can apply this gospel truth to us. So, Lord, that we might be soothed and comforted, and Lord, that we might see that you are faithful. Uh, through suffering. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see you in your word uh, and be encouraged this morning. Amen. Amen. So we don't have to go far to think of an example of something that happens to people that makes them think that God isn't there or doesn't care. Many of us have asked why God has taken Samuel home in this last week. At the same time, Uh, Emmanuel has had its normal share of suffering and chronic pain, a stroke, hospitalisation with pneumonia for weeks on end, glandular fever, death of a parent. Well, we don't have to go far to find something that makes us think that God isn't there or doesn't care. The last time I gave this talk, I ended up in a conversation with a teenager about historic sexual abuse. Suffering can lead us to think that God isn't there or doesn't care. Uh, and it doesn't matter who we are uh, or how good uh, at sport or how great we are at school or even how popular we are or what job we have or what education or what money we've got. Bad things happen to good people as much as bad people. And bad things happen to God's people too. Suffering is real. It hurts. It makes us feel alone. It makes us feel like God doesn't care or maybe you just isn't there or maybe we don't belong sometimes people they come to church or they don't come to church thinking I don't belong in this environment because I'm hurting so much I don't belong here on a Sunday church is the wrong place for me Uh, I very much wanted a brother when I was growing up Uh, I have two lovely sisters and they are brilliant they are great but you know a brother is a little bit different I wanted a brother uh, and uh, (laughs) Uh, I did have a, uh, a. I've got a lovely cousin, James, uh, and aged thirteen um, or thereabouts, I remember the joy of teaching him handbrake turns. Now, many of you don't know what a handbrake turn is, but it's a thing that uh, makes um, it makes. If you're driving, it makes girls instantly think you're great. <laughs> You drive along at high speed, and you apply the the, the handbrake that stops the wheels, which many cars don't have anymore. And the car slides uncontrollably in an arc whilst you laugh manically at the person in the passenger seat. And so I remember teaching uh, James a handbrake turn. And as we were going round, he would have only been 11 at the time, we were in a field with sheep. I have negligent parents. What can I say? I remember him laughing manically at me in the passenger seat and thinking, here is my, here's the brother that I can do these sort of things with. Uh, Really tragically, uh, the following year, uh, he shot himself. And so I found myself, aged 18, on a wall outside a church in the Cotswolds somewhere, absolutely bereft, feeling alone and isolated. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for your friends that hurts and makes you think that God doesn't care or isn't there or you don't belong. Someone I love has died, maybe, or someone close has done something awful to me. It feels like my parents don't love me, or sickness or pain that won't go away. Maybe it's just lots of things terrify me, and they don't seem to terrify other people. I don't know who I am, and I'm worried my parents or church won't like who I think I am. Or maybe I'm just different to everyone else. I just feel sad all the time. Why do you want to listen to this? You wanna listen to this part of the Bible because it's God's word, but specifically because the bits we're gonna explore are gonna help us realize that in those moments where we think God's not there and doesn't care, God is faithful through suffering. He's got you, he will stick with us, he will rescue us, he is fighting for us. That's why you wanna listen here, for you and for your friends. So look, here's the first point. God is faithful through suffering. We're going to dot around a little bit, and I'm actually going to start in Exodus 1. So if you can turn back a couple of pages uh, to Exodus. Exodus was written one and a half thousand years before Jesus came. It's a book about how God rescued his people out of terrible suffering. I want you to see how God does that so that we can see God is faithful through suffering. He always has been. He always will be. Let's see how God does that. What does he want to show us from three events in history? Well, first of all, we see the bullying of hatred in Exodus 1. If I can read verses 23 uh, onwards to you. God's people are in Egypt, and during that long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant. That's his promise to rescue his people and to make them a great nation with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God's people groaned in their slavery and cried out. They were slaves. That means that your body is not your own, but it belongs to someone else. It means that other people use you. As a kid, uh, uh, it'll make you make mud bricks all day and not pay you. As a bonus, you do get some onions to eat at the night. There are no holidays, there is no Sunday off. When you are 50, you are still doing the same painful, boring job you were as a kid. If you grumble about it, you are beaten. There are no policemen to stop that. There is no child line, there is no ombudsman. If you try to escape, you are killed. And the killer is rewarded. You were trapped being bullied and used for your life. The Egyptians hated God's people. What do you think it felt like for God's people in that place? What do you think that they felt about God and being his people? I suspect that they thought he's not there, he doesn't care, he doesn't see our suffering but he is isn't he in verse 24 it says God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant that's his promise to bless his people with Abraham Isaac and Jacob and so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them God is there God does care God does see even if I can't see him God does have a plan but God's people can't see it can't they God is faithful through suffering, even bullying hatred, even if it doesn't feel like. And just because I can't see God doesn't mean he doesn't see my suffering. Should we go on Exodus 5? So turn over. Uh, a bitter work of unfairness. And again, I want you to think, what does it feel like being God's people here? So what happens is, is after God is concerned for his people, he acts by getting Pharaoh to raise God's rescuer of his people in his own house. The irony of that, but it takes a whole lifetime for Moses to grow up. And Moses then tells Pharaoh to let God's people go. And it gets worse, not better. A totally unfair, unjust, harsh labor is made worse. You see that in five twenty-two to 23. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people and you have not rescued your people at all. Can you hear the problem? I'm supposed to be the rescuer. You sent me to rescue, it's made it worse. Now what these guys have to do is they make their mud bricks, but they do it without straw, which is an essential ingredient that must be provided. No straw means you have to go and get your own. You have to do the same number of bricks each day. So instead of getting up at daylight, you have to get up in the dark and walk miles to gather straw and bring it back. Egyptian men whip and drive God's people on. They didn't even do anything wrong. Just Moses and God with his so-called plan. All they can see is it's got worse. What do you think it felt like to be God's people here? What do you think they thought about God and being his people? It's like he doesn't care and won't make it stop. You see that in verse 23. Moses says, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble on this people. You've not rescued your people at all. What are you doing, God? But God is there and he does care and he has a plan and he is working it out. A couple of days later, God starts his amazing... Plagues which get bigger and worse for the Egyptians and Pharaoh until death comes to every Egyptian house. So terrible that even the mighty Pharaoh and Egypt give up and they let God's people go. God is there, He does care, He does rescue powerfully from the work of this bitter work of unfairness. But God's people couldn't see it. No one could see God getting ready, and no one saw a plague of frogs coming. No one saw that there'd be no sunlight for three days, let alone the seven other incredible things that God could do. No one could even imagine what God's rescue plan was going to be like. It was so wonderful. Or a God who cared so much. God is faithful through suffering, even the bitter work of unfairness, even if we can't see him at work or understand his plans, just because I can't see or understand God's plan in my suffering doesn't mean he isn't working his amazing plans out. But finally, we had our reading in Exodus 14. Turn over with me to that page. I think it's page 71. Again, slow down. What does this feel like? What do you think about God? And in the end, what is God like as as we go through this passage here? I'm just going to read 10 to 12. As Pharaoh approached, here comes the mighty Pharaoh with his chariots. He's going to wipe out God's people or take them back to slavery. The Egyptians are coming and God's people are terrified. They think they're gonna be killed by them. Verse 11, that there weren't any graves. They think Moses and God have brought them there into a death trap. It's totally understandable. They're in the desert. There's women and kids, there's no weapons. It's like some massive church picnic with their onions and flatbread for the journey. And here comes Pharaoh with more than 600 chariots and all his army armed to the teeth, experienced killers, everyone. It's like trying to fight a tank with a piece of toast. You want to run away, but you can't, because they're trapped with the sea behind them and the very angry Egyptians in front. What do you think it felt like to be God's people in this place? Of no escape and death everywhere. What do you think they thought about God and being his people? God's left us. He's made a mistake. He doesn't care. Worse, he wants us to die. He definitely can't rescue us from death now. He's not quick enough. It took a whole lifetime to get Moses. What's going to happen here? We've got hours, maybe minutes. But what does God do? He does the impossible to rescue his people. Moses parts the Red Sea down in verse 21. God's people walk through on dry land. Moses parts the Red Sea. That's impossible. The people walk through on dry land. That's impossible. And then the sea rolls back and destroys Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. That's impossible, right? And now the only impossible thing is for the Egyptians to get God's people back. They're never going to come back from that, are they? God is faithful through suffering, even the terror of death. Just because you, can't, you and I can't see how the rescue from suffering is possible doesn't make it impossible for God. He's the God that does these extraordinary things. God is faithful through suffering, he is there, he does care, he has a plan, and anything is possible for him. It's like with the kids and the marshmallows, isn't it? When we've got our eyes shut and we can't see what's going on, it's deeply uncomfortable. But we have a God, he's not bringing marshmallows, he's bringing rescue and all that we need. Or the old illustration that is often said, that sometimes our life is like uh, like looking up at the sky and all we can see is clouds and blackness but that doesn't stop the sun and the blue sky being there does it and that will break through eventually <coughs> and so God remains behind the cloud of our pain seeing our hurt and acting to rescue and loving us and carrying our burdens daily as Psalm 62 bits it I think that's the aim here of this passage. We will have times that we feel like God's people in Exodus. Uh, the, the, and it's, but it's not because God has abandoned us, but because we do not see the big picture and understand his plan and what he's capable of. This is what I, I'm very visual, so I like to draw things. Here we go. It's like we're here. Here's the world. It's broken by sin. And we're stood in, right in that hole, aren't we? And sometimes, sometimes the world is great, sometimes it is awful, and we are sad. And we're hurting and in pain. But the thing is, is we've got a God who... He, he, oh, crumbs, like that? Yeah. He's got these massive, he's so huge. He's got these massive hands. I don't know if you can tell those are hands. I'm trying to do hands. He's so huge. He's got everything and everyone in his hands. But he's so huge, we can't see him doing that, but he is there doing it. We see him doing it here, one and a half thousand years before Jesus. Without God in the picture, you've got nothing. Have you? With God in the picture, you've got a big God who is for big suffering. Can you think of other people in the Bible who've had a hard time, but God sticks with them? Can you think of someone? Can you think of someone maybe like I don't know, Joshua or or Daniel. You notice the Bible is filled with people who have a hard time, but God sticks with them. These examples we've seen from God's people and from other stories all shout out, God is faithful through suffering. He is there, he does care. So what do we do when suffering comes? Well, Exodus tells us here in 14. Look, let me read with you from verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Do you notice the first thing he says, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So do not be afraid. God might not make it all better, but he will get you through. God doesn't promise no suffering. In fact, Jesus promised us that we would have suffering in this world, but God does promise, whilst he doesn't promise no suffering, he promises to be with you in the suffering to lead you out of the suffering on the final day. So this doesn't mean stop doing sensible things to help with suffering, but keep trusting as you go to the doctors, as you report abuse and bullying, as you talk to your parents or someone you trust about how you're feeling, as you pray, all these sensible things, you do that trusting in the Lord. And how do I know, how do I know, Edward, that God keeps fighting for us, for you and for me? And I ask you, how hard does Jesus fight for us on the cross? It's with his all, isn't it? There we see a God who loves us so much, he will stop at nothing to fight for us as we trust in him through suffering. We'll have more on that next week too. So do not be afraid of suffering, our own or others. Choose the faith and not the fear. So what do we do? We've got to expect suffering. Christians are not exempt, but maybe get a kind of suffering others don't for getting God's people, along with a kind of blessing that others don't for being God's people, because we get to see God doing his amazing stuff. We get being forgiven and having heaven to come. Bad things do happen to God's people. Go and sit with them. But also let's expect not to understand suffering. God doesn't often explain why specifically me, why now, why this type. And some Psalms have no answer to that question of why Lord or how long Lord. We don't need to understand to go and cry with others or to ask others to come and cry with us. But also we need to expect to feel like God doesn't care or isn't there. Feelings are great, aren't they? We've done that. They're good. But they're not the boss. And it's not always good to let them control us. And so sometimes we need people to speak to us and we need to speak to others the truth in love. God is there. He does care. But also know that God is faithful through suffering. There's that sort of some find it terribly cheesy the story about the bloke who goes through great suffering and arrives in heaven and you know there are two footprints on the beach do you know what I'm talking about yeah Yeah? and there are two footprints on the beach throughout his entire life and they're watching this review of his life of the two footprints and when the really bad suffering comes there's only one set of footprints and the guy goes oh God what about that there's only one set of footprints and God says well that's where I carried you. That's lovely. But we can also expect suffering to end in God. It may take a long time, it might even take the whole of your life, but suffering will stop and we will have Jesus forever and ever, as we started to already, in a place where there is no more suffering, only blessing. And I can't wait for that. In our house we sometimes say, I just want to go home. And so we can go and share with them a testimony of your own or from the Bible, the best is both, uh, you know, both those things and have Jesus as well. And I wonder if you can think of a time in your life or someone else's where you have seen God's faithfulness through suffering. It might be someone you've read about, it might be someone you've experienced, it might be someone you've walked alongside, it might be something you've had yourself that is enormously precious. Can you share that with people who are suffering? It's enormously precious. I will cry in this, bit. this is what it's like. This is what God is like. I know a dad who has seven kids, and uh, I rang him up on this one. Lots of them have got chronic illness, chronic uh, migraines. One's got um, uh, cystic fibrosis. Others got other issues. And I said to him, "Uh, buddy, how many times have you been to A&E? And uh, he said that he's been uh, 45 visits uh, for uh, his children, with his children. He's a picture of the faithfulness. He is always there with his kids in A&E, comforting, always fighting to make sure they get the right treatment, helping by providing snacks and all you need to get through the waiting any time of day for however long it took, how much worse would it be as a kid if you are doing that on your own? But it's like God, he's faithful through suffering and no matter how many times we go through it, he is there, he does care and when it hurts, the first thing you want is someone with you. Who better than the Lord Almighty there fighting for you? Oh, I nearly made it. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God is faithful through suffering. And we are thankful, David and Maggie, for you modelling that for us. And for each one of you, as you model that for us, please keep doing it. Here's a question for coffee time, if you're not crying. When you are suffering, how does knowing Jesus suffered and died for you make you confident that God is right there, that he cares and that he's fighting for you? So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we find it so hard being your people and suffering awful and terrible things in this broken world. And Lord, I thank you for the many blessings that we also get to see as we realise that you are there, you do care, and that you are fighting for us. Help us, Lord, to be still in your arms, not to be afraid. I pray that particularly for us here who are going through great suffering at the minute. your blessing upon us lord we've got nothing but lord you have everything
0: and all the love that we need amen Amen.